Welcome to this episode of Revolution and Ideology. This is Nick. I just wanted to add a quick preface to this episode. We were forced to record this one remotely. Um, I don't remember why anymore at this point. Um, but as such, the audio quality is a little lower than we're used to putting out for the majority of our episodes. So I hope you'll bear with us and make it all the way through. It's not that bad, but it's a little lower than we're used to. So stick with us. Welcome to this episode of Revolution and Ideology. I'm Nick. I'm Jared. In this episode, we are talking about something interesting for our channel, uh, kind of deviating a little bit from the philosophy and theory and history. We are talking about the NBA, and specifically NBA Top Shot and their moments. Do you have anything to say before we get started? I mean, it's interesting. We've dove into like kind of like pop culture type of things before, maybe two or three times, and some end up working out really well for our channel, and other times they ended up they end up flopping. Uh, our usual audience mm -hmm. probably isn't used to it, but um, we don't just talk history and philosophy and sociology all the time. We are regular human beings, and this is us kind of like humanizing ourselves. And 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 I'm a basketball nut, and Nick uh, dabbles in a little bit of of investment and financing, and this was a good experiment for us to try out um, some of our like social theories. I mean, it really Top Shot is good to experiment with. Like we can both critique it as people that do critique the current economic system we live in um, and find many of its aspects um, problematic for lack of a better term, but also like it's one thing for us to be able to critique our current systems and ways of doing things while actually also trying them out. So I guess that's, we don't want to speak from pure ignorance. So I guess that's part of it. So well, and also, like, this video is going to be unique because we are at the same time going to say how incredibly dumb these are. Like they are dumb. There is no denying that this is just idiotic. And at the same time, how we are both just absolutely obsessed with them and fully invested. So it's going to be full of hypocrisies on our, our part. Yeah, do we get to be hypocrites just for a little bit? Yeah, I don't. 100%. I feel really bad about being a hypocrite for just a second. <laughs> but like, it is dumb. We got in it because it's dumb and we were going to make fun of it. But then we also kind of got into it a little bit low key, right? Okay, so let's it's just- not even low key. We're obsessed, let's be honest. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> okay, so we have to explain first for our audience that doesn't know, which is probably a lot of people, uh, what NBA Top Shot is. But before we do that, we're going to back up even a little step further, and we're going to talk about non-fungible tokens. Okay, we have to go into economics just for a brief second. Fungibility is an economic term. Something that is fungible means that it's indistinguishable from another of the same unit, and they are completely interchangeable. So examples are like gold coins, crude oil, shares of a company, a Bitcoin is a good example. So like you can take one, right, one piece of solid gold in a certain weight is worth exactly the same and it's indistinguishable essentially from another piece of solid gold of the exact weight. So those are fully interchangeable. They are fungible. NBA Top Shot moments, which we will explain in a second, are non-fungible. And they're specifically called non-fungible tokens. Because of their unique serial numbers, they are distinguishable from each other and are not interchangeable. They do not have identical values and no two are alike. So there are no two that are fully identical. Okay, let's talk about what an NBA top shot moment is just for a second now that we know what fungibility is uh, already. So NBA top shot, it, top shot is a company that got a license, uh, exclusive license with the NBA to essentially create what they call moments. And the NBA PA, which is important, yeah. Yeah, that's true. The Players Association also endorses. That's important, you're right. 
moments that they create are, you can think of them like cards, right? They're like sports cards. And we're gonna talk about how they're similar and different throughout this video. But they essentially are highlights. They're digital highlights that of a, spe a specific moment. So for example, a LeBron James dunk or a Steph Curry three-pointer, uh, et cetera, you can imagine there are steals and dunks and blocks and et cetera, right? These different kinds of moments. So they have created an NBA top shot moment that is a specific moment in time and they do what is called minting, just like a regular sports card, except it's done digitally in the top shot world. They create sets that contain these moments. And there are different kinds of sets from base sets to exclusive sets and so forth. And so each moment has a specific scarcity based on how many of those were created. Some of them, there are 15,000 that are created. Some of them, there are 75 and so forth. And they all have unique serial numbers. So also part of the NBA Top Shot project is this marketplace. Their website is a marketplace where you can buy and sell your moments. And you can see different prices for different serial numbers. So for any moment, serial number number one um, is usually for sale for an outrageous amount of money. And then different serial numbers are for sale for different amounts. The higher the serial number in theory, the lower the price, right? Just like sports cards uh, in theory, right? The number one LeBron James rookie card is worth an exorbitant amount of money and the number 5,000 or whatever, I don't know if there are 5,000 minted, but it's worth less money. So think of it basically like digital sports cards. We're gonna talk about why it's dumb uh, compared to a regular sports card in a few minutes, but you at least get the general idea. Now, the other interesting thing about NBA Top Shot is that it's built on blockchain. So the company Dapper Labs that created Top Shot also created a, a game really called CryptoKitties. And as part of it, they did it, I think it's part of a hackathon, and they created a unique new blockchain to build this technology upon. It's based on Ethereum, the Ethereum blockchain, but they created their own, and it's called Flow, the Flow blockchain. And the reason this is unique is because this marketplace, all of the moments are created on this blockchain. So every time that they are minted, there's an event on this blockchain that then gets uh, hashed and reconciled by the nodes that are supporting the blockchain. So every event is fully document, documented and traceable. So every moment it's minting, it's when it gets opened in a pack, when it gets listed for sale, when it gets sold, if it gets withdrawn from the marketplace, if the price changes, et cetera, every single one of those events is trackable and fully verifiable. So we could pick any moment at random and we can go navigate the blockchain and we can go all the way back every time it's bought and sold and listed and et cetera, all the way back to its original minting. And so we can have a fully encrypted history of every single moment. So that's really unique. Um, and that's why I think that this is kind of new, interesting technology is because it is built on the, the flow, in this case, blockchain. Okay, so that's moments. And top shot, like in a nutshell, do you have anything to add before we go on to our well, so that's that's kind of, of the moments? That's kind of the appeal here for us in, in our channel, again, for our regular viewers that are not used to us, like talking about these types of things. That was the appeal is if one is going to kind of like challenge like the current economic status quo, well, uh, to be blunt, crypto is one way to look at alternatives to like mm -hmm. fiat currency and of course the control of like if we live in the United States, the Federal Reserve, et cetera, et cetera. So it was interesting to me to be both a basketball fan and look at something that, let me be blunt, I, I've been too scared to like really like get into like the Bitcoins and the Ethereums of the world. But this for, for me, 
as something that kind of challenges, again, the financial status quo uh, of what we're living in, this was something that I could at least attach meaning to. So whether we're talking about these NBA moments slash cards, or we're talking about um, fictional cartoonish cats in the Crypto Kitty example, those aren't really where the value per se lies. And we'll talk a little bit more about this when we critique some of the critiques of this, um, of the top shot here in just a second. The value is in the cryptocurrency aspect of it. And to me, the way I frame it in my little brain is that the NBA moment slash player or the cartoonish kitty, if you're investing in crypto kitties, is merely a symbol, like something that is a little bit more digestible than a simple number on a screen, right? Does that, I mean, I mean does that make sense, Nick? Yeah, I mean, it gives you something a little more tangible than just, let's say you have a Bitcoin in your wallet somewhere, like your Bitcoin wallet, right? Yeah. It's, I guess neither of them are tangible. That's definitely the wrong term to use right. in this context. But it's a symbol, right? It gives you something visual that you can see. You can see the LeBron James dunk that you own in your moment collection. And let's be honest, we don't own any LeBron James dunks because they're too expensive. But you can see your collection of moments. And so it essentially is a visual representation, that's probably a better term, a visual representation of right. this asset, right? This digital asset that you own. I, I, I like that, right? It's a little more easily digestible, like you said, for people that maybe were a little wary of jumping into the Bitcoin or the Ethereum or the whatever, any other variation, right? For sure. So it's a way to both, for me personally, delegitimize the current economic status quo while also appealing to nostalgia as a big basketball fan for me. And, yeah. and, and, and as a kid, I grew up here. Like I did collect real like basketball cards as a, as a kid. I don't have any anymore. I, I gave them away because I, whatever, I was an idiot. But regardless, like it is. I mean, it taps into both of those things. Um, so let's talk about, I think this is a good, let's talk about why each of us personally got into it. Because like I said at the beginning, we think they're completely dumb, but we're both also into them. So I'll go first, right? For me, it was like this interesting new technology. That was the number one reason, right? So we got it. We deposited money and we bought a few of them sort of, like you said, as an experiment. For me, it was just because it was cool. Like this thing built on blockchain that isn't just like you said, a Bitcoin or Ethereum, et cetera, that like is linked to this the NBA and et cetera. So for me, it was really just a new technology. The second reason is purely for an investment, right? Maybe we could put some money into this, the market will rise and we could sell and get out later down the road and make a little bit of money off of it. And then the third, like you just mentioned, was just nostalgia. Just like you, I bought thousands and thousands of sports cards throughout my life uh, as a kid. And so this was a little bit of like, wow, this is like something from my childhood that is now meshing with like the bleeding edge technology of our times. And like, that's interesting for me. Let's get into it. And I can go online and I can search for my favorite NBA players and I can buy a moment featuring them and et right. What about you? So for, yeah, for me, it's like the, the first two are a binary paradigm. The first is like, Yes, I'm somewhat interested in anything that can, as I already said, delegitimize the current economic status quo. So anything that is crypto based, I've been interested in, but too tentative to even try out. This was um, an easy entry point for me that I could digest. The second part is where that binary paradigm comes in. Um, it is hypocrisy. And I actually entered into it because I wanted to experiment with it so that I could later make fun of it and delegitimize everybody else that invests real money in, in absolute bullshit. Um, I don't know that I'm there yet because like I said, I'm currently, I guess, still in the experimental part of this, but that yeah, was kind of like- You've lost your ability to critique because now you're in. 
Uh, see, is that really what it, no, I feel like the fact that I'm in gives me the ability to critique later, especially when I like lose all my money because it is absolutely dumb. So you wanted the street cred to be able to say I was in it and now I, I know why. Now I can make sure. fun of all of you, right? <laughs> like, so, so I'm not, so I'm not mocking people out of ignorance. I'm mocking people yeah. out of actual experience, right? Like that's yeah. what it was about. For but sure. the third part is, as we said in our lone other um, NBA related video, I think it was regarding the strike over the, uh, the summer, but um it is, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm a basketball nut. Like that, that, that is what it is. It, it was my first true love, and 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 so I still uh, watch it all the time, play it uh, until my bones break. Apparently, as I get older, but yeah, like that, it, it is. I, I do love basketball, so this was part of like the entry point that I could actually get into this to either a critique it or b maybe benefit from it. We'll see what happens. Anyway. Okay, so we know where we're in. What our goal is. Let's talk about critiques. And like, we have to admit, right, we were actually both together recording another episode when we found out about this. Your friend sent, a, sent you a text and was like, hey, have you ever heard of this? And we started Googling it and literally we were both like, this is the dumbest idea ever, who would spend any money? <laughs> and then we went through like, there's this like, it's like the stages of death, right? It's like <laughs> the denial, it's like all those things. Like, this is so dumb. And then we're like, well, oh, look at this one. This is worth like 20 bucks. Wow, this one's like $200,000. Oh, wait, let me Google this. Oh look at this article that just got published in Forbes about them. Like we went down this path to eventually like, all right, man, let's just try it. Let's try it. Let's like buy one moment and like, we'll see what happens. So we bought one and we're like, oh, cool. And then like literally 10 seconds later, we're like, okay, that one's chilling in our collection. It's gone up 0.0% since we bought it. Like interesting, how many are for sale and what serial number did we buy? And like all this stuff to like, okay, let's buy another one. And now another one. And I'm like, okay, let's buy, oh man, this one's down right now. Let's buy this. And like, it was funny that first night you went home and we were sitting there and like the Nuggets game was on and we had bought a Jamal Murray and he dropped 50 points that night and his value of the moment skyrocketed and we were both like oh my god look like uh, this is amazing right well because like, it was like a win win right like as exactly. a Nuggets fan and as a Jamal Murray like fan whatever for me watching that moment like a he's dropping 50 and b it's somehow benefiting me like personally <laughs> it was kind of like this weird thing and I get like maybe fantasy players get this but I can't handle yeah. the fantasy that's way too much work for me I don't have that mm -hmm. kind of time to invest in like tracking players daily or whatever so this was kind of like a little maybe that's what that that feeling was but it was kind of interesting yeah right and so now we have a total of I'm looking at our collection right now 15 moments and we have a few packs that we have yet to open we might open those later in the video uh, so you guys can see what that is like live but we currently own 15 moments uh, collectively we created an account together that we both uh, are working out of it's called revolution so we also got the coolest username on the top shot site I guess that's a benefit of getting in uh, early on so we own 15 moments. We went down the rabbit hole. I've been, I'm not going to lie, pretty obsessed with this over the past few weeks uh, to the point of I've actually coded a JavaScript application that digests the blockchain as it happens. And so I'm documenting all of the transactions on the network, et cetera, because of, like Jared alluded to, I'm also into finance and investing and so forth. So I'm watching the market and like looking at statistical indicators and so forth just for like fun. So I'm in it even like at a bigger level. And I think it just gives credence to like people are into this for investing and for like that kind of hobby, I guess. Like, I just think it's, it's interesting. Let's go through some of the critiques, right? Because we have them too. In fact, I still have them, even though we're both super into it. I still, like I said, think that it's dumb. And to talk about the critiques, we're actually going to use um, Jimmy Highroller. If you guys have never heard of Jimmy Highroller, he's a YouTuber with a ridiculously huge audience. I think last time I checked, he had 16 million subscribers. 
And he basically is all basketball, all NBA. And Jared and I had, we watch his videos all the time just because we're interested in like basketball and so forth. And he actually posted a video on NBA Top Shot Moments, absolutely just destroying the entire idea and saying how it's like the dumbest thing in the world, which is fine because we actually agree with that in like in theory at a high level. But I do have some problems with some of his specific critiques. So let's go through some of those. We'll talk about what he said and et cetera. And yeah, that's it. Um, he starts his video out by talking about the Upper Deck Exquisite Collection, which was a series of sports cards, tangible sports cards issued by the company Upper Deck. And this was like the year that like LeBron James was a rookie and so forth. It was like 03, I think. 03, yeah. 04. Yeah. Super limited edition of sports cards. And so there were like, uh, like I said, LeBron rookies in there and stuff. And each set cost $500. So he starts with this as an example and goes through like people's experience of buying these and like so forth and whatever. But I have a, this is where his argument I think starts to break down for me. Like I said, in general, I think the top shot moments are dumb, even though I'm into them, but I don't necessarily agree with why he says that they're dumb. In general, I think that he severely underestimates how many people were actually getting into sports cards and still do for investment purposes. He says, that these people that buy sports cards, quote, knew that their purchase was just a hobby. And if they were lucky, maybe they could flip their cards for some money in the future. Now, my problem with that is, isn't that exactly what owners of Top Shot Moments are doing, right? Like it's, it's a hobby that and you think, you hope that someday maybe you could sell it for a profit in the future. Now, just because maybe people are more like I said, I'm looking at the analytics of the entire thing and whatever. And perhaps, you know, when I was a kid buying sports cards, I certainly wasn't doing that. But it didn't mean that I wasn't buying them so that I could resell them for some profit, like in the future. What do you think about that? So I, I guess for me personally, my own experience uh, would be, you know, in fourth, fifth, sixth grade, riding my bike about two miles with a group of about three friends. These are very specific memories I have. Riding my bike. Um, for about two or three miles to wet a baseball card shop, but also had football and basketball cards. And we would mm -hmm. go there and we would bring our most valuable ones and exchange it with the card shop owner. And he would have a literal guide called the Beckett. Yep. It was a Beckett, Beckett guide that has all these prices attached to each card, attached to a specific picture, which is a moment with a serial number on the back. And even at fourth, fifth, sixth grade, we would try and make the transactions that would net us the best card for a future trade. It might not, mm -hmm. we might not have had like the mental capacity to like really understand what was going on in terms of investment, but we knew that there was not just a, a, a fan-based um, uh, value to these, but there was a, a, a monetary value to these as well. So we knew that, you know, as kids. So I, I, I think the, the evidence that people were into them for investing is the existence of the Beckett, right? And I think everyone that was into sports cards or still is knows what Beckett is. In fact, it's all digital right now because when I got rid of all of my cards a couple of years ago, I subscribed to the website and so I could look them all up. Right. And it's a, just a list of every single card, basically every printed and every serial number and how much it's currently worth. Right. So the fact that the Beckett exists and existed back then in paper form is evidence that people were into it for investing. But you bring up a good point that made me think of is how detailed you went into about your experience. Right. Writing to the store with your friends on your bikes and like transactions and like all this stuff. I think the exact same thing was true for me also. Right. You get the pack and you you bring it home and you open it and you're buying it. You're with your friends and like 
But the funny thing is for us specifically, the same thing is true for the Top Shot moments. Because like I said, it was you and I together sitting there talking through this and looking at them together and buying them together. And then literally that night, I created a Discord server and added you and you and I started talking about it. Then you added your friend that originally told us about it and another one of your longtime childhood friends. Then my cousin got into it and I added him to the server as well. So now there's the five of us in there always talking. Like It's still this social experience. It like really is. And there will, and that investment, like to double down, my very specific greatest like trade still like in, in fifth grade is in my brain. I traded a baseball card of a guy named Mike Greenwell. He, he's not even famous at this point, but it was his rookie card. And at that exact moment, I guess it was worth, uh, you know, 10, 15 bucks, as I recall. And at that exact same time, I traded it for a guy that also had a John Elway rookie card. Well, that's a much bigger name. And even though that's a football card and they're two different mm-hmm. sports, we as kids did that. And at the time, they were both, let's say, 10 to $15. And we looked at the Beckett to make sure. But we made that trade. And I made that trade not only as a, quote, unquote, John Elway or Broncos fan or whatever I was at the time, but knowing full well that that one in the long run was going to be worth a lot more because he is a much bigger name and like there's going to be much more attention and things along those lines. So even though like, yes, it was part fan, it was also part like, which one is going to have a better long-term value for me if I want to flip this later? And even as a kid, I was thinking through that. So you can't tell me that there's no investment part of of, of cards, of physical cards. That's funny because I specifically remember my worst trade also. Like I had a Topps Mark McGuire rookie card. And if you remember these old cards, they had a little trophy like in the corner and stuff. I vividly remember sitting in my friend's front yard. We were all looking at our cards and his brother, who was much older than us and knew about things, right? I didn't know any of this. was like, oh, hey man, I'll trade you for that rookie card. And I was like, all right, cool. And like, this is literally like the year that Mark McGuire was a rookie or the year after or something. This is way before like the home run race. And like, no one knew that was going to happen, but he knew he was a really good player. I didn't know that. So he's like, I'll trade you for this card. And like, I had no idea. So I'm like, yeah, cool. Thanks. Right. So I took that. Last time I looked this up years ago, that card was worth a thousand or two dollars. Right. Worst trade of my life. I don't even remember what the card was that I got, but just dumb. I didn't know what was going on. Right. And so I lost out on that opportunity. Right. Fine but it's all an experience. It's a social experience. So I think that Jimmy Highroller really discounts and underestimates people being into sports cards for the investment. He, his whole video is basically the sentiment of like people bought the cards because it's like sentimental value of holding your favorite player. And like he uses a specific example of how he traded for a LeBron James rookie card when he was a kid, just because LeBron James was his favorite player, not because it was worth a lot of money or going to be worth a lot of money and so forth fine like that's great that that's what he did and that's i'm sure what many people do but so many people are in it for investing in fact in his video he shows people opening packs of actual like cards and they're doing it with you know latex gloves on well you're not doing that if you're in it just for yourself right if you're not trying to maintain the pristine condition of that card so that you can resell it you don't open the pack with latex gloves on right now i will concede that i think more people are probably into top shot for investment purposes than we're in or are into sports cards for investment purposes. But we're talking about a difference of whatever, right? Is it 90-10 or 50-50 or whatever? It doesn't matter because there's still some people in sports cards that are in it for nostalgia and investment, and some people are in a top shot moments for nostalgia and investment, right? It's across the board. So, yeah, I mean, and that's where we have to, like, discuss the biggest part that I do think he overlooked. And this is not, like, a call-out, not not that he'll ever watch our video anyway, but, like, this is not a call-out per se. 
um, because all of his content is amazing and super analytical and super dope, especially regarding like, you know, the NBA and stats and things along those lines. But the one thing that, that is never mentioned is like the, the thing that got my attention, the association with cryptocurrency. Like that mm-hmm. was the thing that was never really mentioned. And, and for me, like I said, one of the top three reasons is it's always kind of been on my radar as a way to delegitimize the current economic status quo, but I've always been kind of too scared or tentative to like go and buy Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever. And this was just an easy point of entry that my brain could digest. And the fact that I think that it's ignored that this isn't really always just about the moment. And for me, it's maybe not even about the moment as much as it is about having a way into cryptocurrency. That's, yeah. that's what that's I think that was point. like completely missed in the entire like video. And I will say yeah. that. So then he says, and I like this because it's interesting. He says that fortunately for these collectors who were basically just in it for the sentimental value Sports card collecting skyrocketed and new markets such as eBay, et cetera, made exchanging cards much easier. Well, the funny thing is I don't really feel like that's a critique of Top Shot because really all he's saying is the good thing about Top Shot is that they have the market already in place. So they released the moments and at the same time they have the market ready and the marketplace is already built on top of the blockchain like i said the platform that makes everything 100 percent verifiable and trackable so let's say you go to like a sports card convention and you're like i want to sell this card to this person and they're willing to pay x number of dollars imagine if at the moment you could track that specific card and see what it last sold for what you bought it for what the person before you bought it for etc or the person selling you the card they're selling you a card for 100 bucks and you could just look immediately like, okay, what, was, what did that person buy it for? What was the person before that? What did they buy it for? What is every other card that was in this set? What are the sales and what does that look like? Imagine the analytical tools that you could have if physical sports cards had the benefit of this platform. So like you said, I think he severely, uh, he, he completely overlooks the fact that the real unique thing about this for me is the platform that it's built upon. I think that like, yes, it was CryptoKitties, and now it's Top Shot, and other things actually are happening at the same time, right? Uh, a digital art piece sold for millions of dollars at Christie's. I can't remember the exact number, right? Digital art is actually really taking off in this space as well. I think this is like a burgeoning technology that we will see many, many more applications. And for me, it's that underlying platform that really, really is fascinating. That, like you said, I think he doesn't talk about enough in the video. Well, and to talk a little bit more about what our regular listeners, if they're still with us at this point, are used to us talking about and dig into a little philosophy. This is like Neoplatonism, right? Like what is reality and right? Like who frames what reality is and what values do we place upon that reality? Like, again, whether you are um, reselling Jordan 6s or you are uh, fixing up old cars or whatever, like these values are all completely arbitrary. Like all of these values are completely arbitrary, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of one of those arguments that I think is just, people collect dumb things. I mean, it's Then he simple. says something that I think is the most interesting and the most profound thing to be talking about when we were talking about NBA Top Shot moments, but he just briefly like mentions it and then kind of moves on, but he says, um, We've now entered the era of buying virtual moments in time. And this is where he said his mind just explodes and like he cannot digest mm-hmm. this. We've now entered the era of buying virtual moments in time. And this was you and I's first critique when we first heard about this and looked it up. It was like, this, this is, is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, this like is I awful. could watch this highlight yeah. on YouTube for free a million times. But the I'm going to thumbnail is that, right? Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. 
but I'm going to pay 20 bucks or whatever for this moment that is on the Top Shot website for the Top Shot moment. Mm-hmm. This is absolutely ridiculous. Like, and people would argue, and I will even argue, like, well, the moment's not the same as the highlight because it has other graphics on it and it's minted and it's on the blockchain. Like, it's this different experience. But like, let's be honest, we're just talking about watching a highlight. It's the same. The YouTube one's probably better than the one that's in the moment in the, you know, whatever. Yeah, there's more context. He's 100% right on this. He's 100% right. But I think there's so much deeper philosophy here that we're not going to spend a lot of time going into. But this idea of how we've got to a point in our society where the lines are blurred sort of between reality and the digital to such an extent that like we will literally pay money for the representation of a moment. And like thinking about how far we are removed from that real moment, right? Where it's like, I guess, whatever. One would be physically sitting at the game and watching the moment. One more removed would be like watching the highlight on television or watching it on YouTube. Then there's this other weird manifestation of a relationship with that physical moment in time that is owning the moment as an NBA top shot moment. It's just this different layer I think of just uniqueness and it's just really, really interesting. And I, I, I will say completely ridiculous, even though we're into it, like it's just, it's insane. But the caveat here, and it's not even actually a caveat, like to a company, I guess, rather than a caveat, what you're saying here, this is not so different, I guess, in my mind, the way I've rationalized it. And I'm willing to admit when I rationalize things mm-hmm. um, back in the day when people I would knew would actually put real money into their farm on Farmville on Facebook, yep. Or when I see kids actually asking for money so that they can change their skin in Fortnite. Or the fact that I know uh, for PC gamers out there, there's a game in space, I forget what it's called, where literally millions of dollars have been exchanged for fictional spaceships. What's the name of that game? Star Quest or something like that? I don't know. I think that's it. But regardless, like... It is a thing. It's a thing that's happening, whether it's good or bad. I mean, I definitely lean towards like it's super weird and I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I guess this is us experimenting with it. And, and honestly, like, how we I think this yeah. is just the beginning and it's really interesting because they're the ones that did it first because they had the experience with CryptoKitties and they negotiated the unique deal with the NBA. But I think that we're about to see like the lip blow off this whole thing. Anyone that's watching this video, here's the next billion dollar idea. It's like a YouTube, but for moments where people can create their own moments and they're all on a blockchain and then people can buy them. And no one's going to buy like the moment of Joe down the street doing something. But I promise you that a billion dollar industry is celebrities selling their moments. So Kim Kardashian signing the divorce papers for Kanye West, make a moment of that and issue 10 of them. And I promise you people will pay tens, thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars to own one of those moments or PewDiePie doing something ridiculous, I promise you that there's a billion dollar industry out there that will be up in the next year or so. That's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, there's already like things where you can pay uh, celebrities or former athletes or whatever to like wish people you know happy yes. birthday and Merry Christmas and That's things like that. That's such a good example. So, yep. Yeah. Absolutely. That's exactly going to happen. So, yeah. okay. anyway. So, he says then, quote, why would a highlight being watched on Top Shot have any more value to me than watching the same highlight on any other platform? And he says, the real answer, the answer is really simple. No matter how you spin it, no matter how you try to justify this, the reason why people are buying these Top Shot moments is strictly for investment purposes. People are buying these moments and fishing through packs in hopes that they will get an awesome and potentially very valuable moment that they can then flip onto somebody else and make a ton of money off of. 
And the only reason why the other guy is willing to buy it is so that he can sit on it and eventually flip it to someone else for profit. And the cycle continues on and on and on. No one is buying these highlights because they actually enjoy them or because they want to have something exclusive or rare. They're doing it to make a dollar. What do you think about this? I think that's, I mean, that is literally an investment. I don't necessarily, I fully agree with what he's saying. I agree with it. And I guess I'm not sure what the critique is there. Like, I do agree with that. That's what people are trying to do. They're trying to find a way to invest and flip these things of the moments that you have, uh, that, that we have bought together. Do I sit there and like watch them over it? No, no, I don't. I absolutely do not. Like I, I look at their values and we determine what we're going to do with them. And, and we're playing this game right now to, again, either later on when we have time to reflect on this, either make fun of ourselves for being hypocrites or, or, or maybe we strike it rich and we're still hypocrites. I don't, so know, I don't disagree I, with him. I think that a large portion of people are buying these for investments. However, I do not think that it's everyone. I think there is so much more. There's so much more to it than just the investment. Like for me, I will admit, if it wasn't for you and I doing it together, I would have never done this, right? It's not something that I would have done. It's the fact that like we're in it together and there's this social thing and like I can now be a little bit connected to the NBA that I've lost track of and like now we are, I'm talking with your two friends that I haven't talked to in years and my cousin's in on it and like literally I was in a business meeting with my cousin this morning and it was when the pack was dropping and he's like, oh dude, I gotta get on real fast. Oh man, but then I have to go to another meeting and I'm gonna be in a meeting when the pack drops. And like, it's just like, Right, we're having conversations that we would have never had before. You and I have never talked about cryptocurrency right until this moment. Like, I think there's another layer that's being missed by just purely ruling it out as like something that like institutional investors are doing to make a quick buck. Like, that's just I don't think that's true. Yeah. So I mean, like, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. So I think there is kind of like this this overarching argument here that I think not just that critique or even our own critique that I think a lot of people are missing is that real money, quote unquote, in air quotes, dollars and yen and euros and pounds, those are also completely arbitrary. It is all faith-based. And I think that's one of the reasons we got into this and to bring it back to a content that's a little bit more digestible to our regular listeners, it is all faith-based. Um, I like to make this argument oftentimes in class. Like when you walk into a, a convenience store and you have a dollar bill in your pocket, and that convenience store owner has a Coke, the only reason an exchange takes place is because that person believes he can flip that dollar, your dollar, into something else. Like there will be a value that he can attach to it. And it's only because you share the same faith. Because if you look at the actual innate value of the two things, the Coke is way more valuable than the dollar. Like I can drink the Coke and I can hold the Coke. I can't drink the dollar. I can't eat the dollar. I can't build a shelter out of the dollar. The dollar is absolutely faith-based. It is I'd one like of the- I'd like to see your Coke shelter. Yeah. My Coke shelter, but you get what I'm saying. Like there's an actual value there. And the only reason anything happens is because he thinks he can flip that dollar into something else. So it is very similar. All of this is faith-based. And the only reason the exchange takes place is because they both believe in this specific case in the same religion, the religion of dollar bills in this case. So yeah, I think so, we're going to use that as a critique of Top Shot that like these only have value because we have faith that they have value and I can sell it on the marketplace because the buyer also has faith that they have value. If we're going to use that as a critique of Top Shot, which I will, that's fine, then we must also critique every other form of currency. Whether it's Bitcoin, it's the dollar, it's the euro, any fiat-based currency, right? Any of those things are all dumb and all made up and right. all based on someone having the same Oh, but Nick, 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 dollar bills are backed by silver and gold. Oh, wait. No, they're not. Yes. Yeah. Right. And secondly, some 
excuse my language, asshole thousands of years ago also arbitrarily just decided gold was worth something because of its perceived rarity. Like all of it, everything going all the way back in time, which again connects a little bit more to what we talk about in our channel, is faith-based. Like these are, these are inherently faith-based values. So this is just a newer manifestation of that. The one critique could be that you can't exchange them for anything else, right? Like you can't really trade. I can't like can't go to 7-Eleven to buy my Coke and show the dude my Top Shop moment to be like, hey man, I'll transfer this to you for my Coke, right? Like that's not going to be a thing. You can do that more and more with like a Bitcoin or something, but like the Top Shop moment marketplace in the real world doesn't exist yet, right? And probably never will, I'm assuming, right? So that's a real critique for sure. Sure. But I didn't get into moments so that I could go use them instead of a dollar. That is why people get into like Bitcoin and stuff for some people. Right. But I didn't get into moments so that I could do that. Like, and no one's doing that or expects that to be a thing. Right. I think he talks a lot about, well, let's talk about two things, I guess. He talks a lot about intrinsic value and he really, really harps on the fact that these moments have absolutely no intrinsic value. That is a hundred percent true. But he implies and talks about throughout how sports cards actually do have intrinsic value. And I have a huge problem with that because it is true that the NBA Top Shot moments have no intrinsic value and that real sports cards actually do have intrinsic value. However, the intrinsic value of a sports card is like a penny or something. Like it's literally whatever the paper is that it's an ink, right, that is printed on. That's its intrinsic value. It's not as if the intrinsic value of a sports card is hundreds of dollars and then you can sell it for $110 and so you realize $10 of like extrinsic value. Like that's not true. The intrinsic value of a sports card is a penny or whatever it costs, right? I mean, it could be five cents or something. Whatever it costs to actually the, the paper and ink that are on that sports card. So I think that the argument that, well, NBA Top Shot moments are worthless because they have no intrinsic value. Well, like in reality, your sports cards don't have intrinsic value either, right? It's ridiculous. Um, I don't know. Anything to add on that? No. I mean, it is. I mean, you know, for the crappy ones, they had an intrinsic value that, as I recall, going back into nostalgia, I would uh, take a paper, not a paper clip, but a clip, a clothes clip, and put them on my bike, and they would make a cool sound on the back wheel as I was riding <laughs> yeah. along. So, Right. Then he talks about in the video, right, some of the limited edition ones had like an actual piece of a jersey that a player had worn, or he talked about he had a Jason Williams card that had a piece of a basketball in it. Okay, fine. I get that like that piece of whoever's jersey, bronze jersey is worth something, right? There's some intrinsic value there. But even that is like, how much is a square inch of a jersey that LeBron wore at a game one time? Correct. And then, then we cents, get into the, like, the philosophical discussion between the material and the ideal world and who exactly. decides what value is, right? Yep. So. Then he talks about related to that scarcity. And he says that the scarcity for the Top Shot moments is absolutely artificial because Top Shot mints limited editions of specific moments. And his argument is that at any time they could just make more. So they're completely manufacturing this scarcity. Well, yes, that is absolutely true. However, that's not really any different than like a real physical sports card, because let's say the exquisite collection, you were just promised by Upper Deck that they were only going to ever make this amount, right? So you still had to have faith in the company that they were telling the truth and that they would ever make this amount. Now I ask you, what if you go down to the card store when the exquisite collection came out and you handed over your 500 bucks and you're like, oh my God, this is awesome. The dude hands it to you and the upper deck representative is standing there. And the second you take possession of it, he says, oh, by the way, we were just kidding and we just printed a million more of these. How would you feel? 
it's exactly the same case for the top shot moments. Yes, top shot could at any time make more of these. Upper deck at any time could fire up the presses and make any more of the exquisite collection. Tops could do the same thing, like so on, right? So yes, it's, it's all artificial. It's all completely artificial. It's just made up by the producers. I get that there's another dynamic there that like the physical product has a different tangible scarcity than the digital product, but it's all based on promises by the producer that they will never do this again, right? Now, some things it would be impossible to make again, right? Like if you had the single jersey that LeBron James wore in this single playoff game, well, there's never going to be another one of those very clearly. You can't make that up. But you could make another, you could print another upper deck card. That could happen. And it would be series two of the exquisite collection or something. But I guarantee you that that would devalue all of the cards that were in the original exquisite collection, right? Just like if Top Shot says, hey, we, we said we were only going to make 75 of this limited edition, but we just minted another thousand. That would absolutely, uh, we would have a problem, right? All those people that own the 75 edition would be pissed, rightfully so, and the value would go down. But it's all based on faith that the company is not going to do that, just like it's based on the faith that Upper Deck also is not going to do that, right? So yes, there's some validity to the scarcity argument. However, it's all based on faith, right? The value is based on faith. The scarcity is based on faith. Yes, it's all artificial and manufactured. So is it for every other thing. The dollar is, again, a perfect example. The dollar has a value because there are so many in circulation. If the U.S. Mint decides tomorrow that they're now going to print another million-dollar bills or whatever, then the valuation immediately declines. That's With a the very permission of the Federal Reserve. Who are a bunch right. of wealthy people that make choices based on various right. the reserve. That's what I was trying to think right. of. The yeah. print, the mint actually prints it, but the reserve makes the decision. Correct. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So when they decide that they're going to print more dollars, then the value goes down. That's just how it happens. And we all believe that the value is the current value of a dollar because we believe the Federal Reserve in the near future probably isn't going to print more dollars. But that yeah. could change at any time. Unfortunately, you just kind of deal with that, right? Like I, I yeah. still believe back in my, my childhood that I could probably buy that soda for a dollar. But now that I think about it, when I walk in the convenience store, that is now a $2 soda. But you know, that, that I didn't have a say so in that choice or in that change. So but right. that's the same thing that we're talking about. It didn't stop me from believing in the dollar, unfortunately. Uh, although, uh, yes, I, I, whatever. That's a whole different video we'll get into. But yeah. Okay. okay, then he ends his video with this question. And it's directed basically directly at us. He says, I have one question for anyone watching this video especially anyone who has bought a product from Top Shop. If you knew you couldn't resell these, you could only buy them for yourself and buy them without the prospect of making money off of them, would anyone even buy these at all? So would we have bought them if there wasn't some potential that we could sell them for money? So reflecting back, for those of us that are still here, to how I started this video and why I'm into it, the answer is vehemently no. This was an experiment for me. This was my first foray, my dipping the toes in the water of cryptocurrency for, like I said, two main reasons. A, to experiment with it and then decide if it's something for me to critique or if it is an honest way to delegitimize current economic conditions. Um, so, so no, I would not have to be blunt. Okay, now. My answer also is no. I admit, I would not have done this if there wasn't some chance, no matter how remote, that we could resell our moments for money. And in fact, we have done it. We bought some and sold them. Like we've already done the thing, right? We've made money off of a few of them. However, I would also pose that question to if everyone throughout history that has ever bought a physical sports card, right? If you ask them, would you still buy this if there was 0% chance, you are guaranteed 
that you will never be able to resell this for anything. You will never be able to resell this thing. How many of them would have also not bought those sports cars? Yes, I get that some people still would have. Maybe many people still would have, but the vast majority of them would not have. Just the same is true for NBA Top Shot Moments. If you I were mean, not able to resell these, yes, many, many people would not have bought them, probably the vast majority, but some people still would have. And right? the same could be said of art collectors or shoe collectors or, or, or whatever, you know, even, even museum curators. Like the, these values are completely arbitrary and there is values attached to them, but those values mean that you have some sort of expectation of what that value will be tomorrow and the next day and the next year. Same thing in real estate. We could do this all day. Would you, I mean, some of us might rent for the rest of our lives. We wouldn't yep. want to buy a house if I, if I didn't think I could maybe make money on a house later on. It's like, those or even are the a car, of- right? You buy a certain car, not because you're going to make money off of it usually, but yeah, that's resale value asset, but is yeah. definitely a variable that plays in, right? Like I right. buy a Toyota because it has the highest resale value or whatever it is, right? That plays a factor. Now, if you, every car, like let's say you were never able to resell your car. You had to drive it till the wheels fell off and then it went straight to the junkyard. I guarantee you we would all make very different decisions about the cars that we bought. Correct. Right? For sure. So uh, yes, there's some validity to that argument. Does a completely discount like top shot moments being a thing? Absolutely not. And I admit there's hypocrisy for me that I would not have bought them if there wasn't some chance of reselling them on the market. 100% I can agree that that is a thing. Okay. I think that's, do you have anything else to add about the NBA Top Shot moments specifically? Uh, no, I feel dirty. Uh, I just, okay, I need, so I need, we are I, now I going dirty. to, yeah. I got in today. They, so Top Shot has been dropping packets. They call it a drop and they're all limited editions. So you have to get online. And today there was 180,000 people online. And then they all by lottery put you into a queue. And so you get into, you get your place in line. And today they were giving away 61,000 packs and I got in at, I think I was number 23,000 in line. So I got a pack. So we are now going to, on the channel, open our packs so that our learners, or sorry, our watchers can see what this looks like. And I have to admit that we have not got a pack before that we have opened. So this is the first time that we are actually going to open a pack The anticipation is killing me. Oh my gosh, so much. Okay. (laughs) Okay, can you see my screen? I can. All right, here we go. So we are going to open the Seeing Stars pack that I got this morning. Let's see how this goes. Are we ready? Oh my God, okay, there's three. You ready for this? Oh, we- Weak. That is lame. That is lame. Oh, okay. That's a fail. Sorry, Mason Plumley. It's a good number. Hey, yeah. Jalen Brown. It's a big name. Yeah. Well, we got a lot of meh there. Yeah. Now I want to go and see. How much of those are worth? How much money did we just make by opening those things? So we'll start with Plumley. I actually already saw this one in the in the marketplace earlier today. So that's worth nine bucks. By the way, I spent fourteen ninety nine on this thing. So that one's worth nine dollars. All right. Jalen Brown. He is worth. 
Wow. $240 is the lowest price on that one. So that is a win somehow. I don't know how, but so we can see all the serial numbers here. What number is ours? We are number. To, yeah, I mean, I tried to tell you that was going to be a pretty good one. I know you were number 3,885. But... Mm -hmm. So let's find the surrounding ones. Where are we? About here. Yeah, wow. So we're about 250 bucks on that one or so. That's a win. And lastly, Colin Sexton. It's not bad. Yeah, nine bucks. So we made like 260 bucks basically on the 14 that I invested. So I guess we're kind of proving Jimmy High Roller's point that we are in this for the money because I'm only excited that let's face it, we just made 260 bucks. <laughs> I don't really care about any of those players or their moments. Um, so yeah, that's interesting, I suppose. Um, what I will say though, is I kind of want to end this with, I would like the viewers of this video to help us prove that these moments actually do have value. So if you enjoyed this video and what we do, you can actually donate, you can gift a moment to us. Our username, you can see it on the screen here, is uh, Revolution. So you can, if you are watching this video, help us prove a point. If you've collect Top Shot moments and you, uh, you enjoy it, and you've enjoyed what we've said here, gift us a moment just to prove the point that these can have some value outside of just buying them and investing them and reselling them for a profit. Gift us a moment just so that we can prove our point. All right, you have anything to add? I'm good, man. All right, you can find us online if you're interested, revolutionandideology.com. You can find our channel on YouTube, just search for Revolution and Ideology, and all of our videos are there. Like I said, gift us a moment, our username on Top Shot, our account name is Revolution. I'm Nick. Jared. Later.